0: Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 KSRQ. You can check us out too uh, beyond the FM dial if you uh, are listening. You could be outside of the uh, radio uh, FM area. You can uh, go to radionorthland.org where we stream our audio. uh, And you can also check out uh, TuneIn. App that's a free app too. I mean, a lot of great stations, but you, got, you can listen to us there as well. And if you don't have time to listen to us live and in the moment, we have all of our archives up. I have them updated too uh, to our website. Finally, got my WordPress thing figured out again. So now all episodes, archived episodes, will be at radionorthland.org. Check out the Rastlin Memories tab, and it'll take you there through all gosh, 20, eight years, thirty years. I don't know how many years it's been now. It's been so long, but you can go there and uh, check that out. There's a couple different ways you can listen listen to wrestling Memories then and now. I'm Glenn Broggett, back in the chair uh, once again, along with my good friend, deep in the heart of Texas, uh, operating out of his uh, mobile studio, and it's getting kind of warm. Of course, we're in the shank of the summertime, and you know it's going to be warm. It's warm up here in Minnesota. You could about imagine what it's like out there in the mobile studio in Texas for my co-host, my partner in crime, and a man who's really happy that I've taken a new uh, working shift uh, for my other job, uh, Mr. Mike McCurdy, the Grizzled Vet. Hey, Mike, how you doing? down there in the mobile studio
1: i'm doing good man it's a, it's a nice you know 87 so you know 11 o'clock in the morning is a record this so 87 degrees is always pleasant and you know man, i'm not only excited about the new change in the uh, you know your regular job but the listeners will be as well because now we are going to be able to record wrestle memories on a more regular basis and bring the fans the show that they enjoy so much
0: Absolutely. We'll have a little bit more consistency uh, in the time that uh, we have. We've had had episodes here and there. We've had other programming, other projects that I've worked on to kind of tidy over, tidy us over in the time slot. But we're going to get back to a more uh, consistent, uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, And we've got some good stuff coming up in the next uh, few weeks. I'm definitely excited to get back uh, really into the full swing of recording uh, these shows on a regular basis.
1: Yes, and we got a show coming up I'm I'm really looking forward to. We're going to pay a little tribute to Killer Tim Brooks. uh, in the next week or two, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a name here in Texas. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners know him from, you know, many territories that man worked in. So we're going to have a special guest come on and share some killer stories. And we're going to have a little bit of, information on his career, so I'm looking forward to that
0: one. That'll be a great one, you know, whether it was Texas or, you know, Detroit, and I was uh, watching uh, this past week, I was uh, checking out some clips on YouTube uh, of some old Georgia Championship, the uh, whole storyline with him and Larry Zbysko and uh, Larry buying the belt from him for $25,000 that little period of time, the killer was in the territory. Uh, Some pretty fun stuff. Uh, I do recommend people going on and checking out some Georgia Championship wrestling, but yeah, that's just one of many Chapters in the the life and career of, of Killer Brooks, who at the you know at the time uh, of his passing, I do believe Nick him and Nick Massey were working on a book uh, about his his life and career. So that 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 will be something once that does eventually get released.
1: I, I believe there was a book being worked on. Yes, uh, hopefully that will still be able to uh, come forward. You know, family and friends, I'm sure will be able to help out with that. So.
0: Oh, for for sure. And uh, I know Nick was, uh, when I was talking to him last year, when he kind of got the project up and underway, was really, really excited about the work that he had already been uh, putting into the book with, with Tim. So, I mean, if that was a year ago, there was a lot of good stuff. I, I, I could imagine, only imagine how well that uh, the finished product's going to turn out. And it's going to be a good show next week. Uh, we're going to bring in James Beard. Uh, I mean, it's always good having him just to share his memories about his uh, career as a referee, but to be able to have him share uh, memories of his friend, uh, Kil. Tim Brooks is going to be a wonderful thing there Mike
1: oh definitely this will be the third Tim Brooks tribute I've done in the last few weeks we did two of them on offshoots tv so and if our listeners ever want to see any of that just go to Facebook look for offshoots tv um today's guest has been a guest on offshoots tv so but you know you can go find that uh face is made for radio and man you can you can watch me in person now You, you can see the face
0: Yes, yes, I've, I've uh, you know, been doing some scrolling after I've, I've gotten off work, uh, at my other job that I'm switching shifts on uh, in the evening. And I've, I've went up and I've, I've still, you know, scrolling down. I'm like, hey, there's the Grizz working with the crew there. You guys were just, uh, I think it was like three or four of you into a pretty good conversation. And you guys seem to always have a lot of good fun. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the offshoots. Check that out. You know, as we're recording, we're going to get our guest on here shortly, Mike. But uh, as the day we're recording here, it's July eighth. 18th uh, 2020, I just wanted for the fans to know, uh, you know, a big pay-per-view is coming up here uh, tonight, actually, and this is from a, a company a lot of people have been kind of calling, you know, for calling their death for many years. I mean, it's been 18 years now this summer since the, this uh, group got to put together by Jerry Jarrett, and it's went through some ownership changes through the years, of course, most notably the Dixie Carter years. But uh, t- Impact Wrestling, whether it's TNA or Impact Wrestling, they are actually... Uh, on the on the lips and on the minds of a lot of wrestling fans here as we go into this evening as uh, so we were recording with their big slam-iversary, uh pay-per-view and you know, kind of coinciding with all of the uh, non-competes expiring for the all of the WWE talent that uh, was uh, let go of or furloughed here uh, not too long ago, and there's been a lot of teasing in their promos, which have, they've done pretty nice, fun little teases on their programming on their regular weekly show about who might show up. I, I'm very intrigued by this, and I, I'm definitely going to be putting down some money tonight just to see what happens. Are you at all intrigued about uh who might be showing up i mean there's been some rumors i mean there's been people confirmed already to be showing up but this could be uh, some really interesting stuff for a company that's been under the radars uh for a couple of years now that has actually put have some pretty consistently good programming i think they're kind of the sleeper company these days
1: impact definitely is one of those you know like you said the nail in the coffin for the last couple of years and they just keep coming back man they just keep plugging along uh i'll be working but uh, I will be kind of keeping tabs on the results and what's going on. So I'm curious. I'm interested. I mean, we know Gallows and Anderson have signed with uh, Impact. We know that's the case. Uh, But like you said, non-competes ended uh, either yesterday or today, I believe. I know the day of the, it's right at this time. So, you know, there's a lot of people that were let go from WWE that maybe Impact might want to pick up and bring in. I don't know. But then again, you know, with, uh, the the current, you know, situation going on around the world with, you know, the coronavirus and everything, some of those names kind of got, you know, sidelined because of COVID-19, so there's also that aspect to play into. So wrestling is an interesting world right
0: now. Absolutely. And you know, for a lot of those guys that were released, I you know not only was it to, as a result of the COVID-19, but there's a case of just the WWE, you know, cause of, I mean with AEW that when they uh, started, uh, you know, the air programming and were getting ready to build their company up last year, WWE gotten into a little bit of a shopper a shopaholic frenzy, signing up anybody they could to kind of offset. And I think a lot of guys as a result got lost in the shuffle and ended up getting released. A lot of guys and gals, so this is a good time for them. I mean, yes, finding good in a bad situation here with, with COVID-19 and the coronavirus pandemic, finding some places for these people to get back in and where they can fit and where they can actually grow and prosper.
1: Oh, definitely. The one thing you got to watch out for, though, too, is you don't want to bring on everybody that was on, you know, formerly on WWE because you need to create your own. You know, your own image. You got to. You got to look a little different. You don't want to be, you know, WWE two or AEW light. So. And that's what they. And that's definitely make sure that they. You know, establish their keep establishing their own image,
0: and that's what they've been accused of for many years. You know, when when especially during the Dixie Carter years, she would sign all the WWF talent, WWE talent, and then they would be uh, you know right into the main event, having holding championships and stuff. But I think with this situation, the Mike, I, it's a situation where they took the guys from Impact who went to the WWE to NXT. So I think if they can get guys that uh, were there before, uh, that were grown that actually grew through the Impact system, I think that could justify it a little bit more than just you know big buying the big guys like they did with the Scott Steiners, the Booker t's and the Christians throughout the years. I think that might be a that might be the the, the slightest of differences. Well, Mike, uh, speaking of fun shows, I'm going to let you do the intro on our guest today and uh get him on board so he can talk. I mean, we've been yipping and yapping for 9 minutes now. It's time uh, to get our guest on.
1: Yeah, this week's guest is, you know, a little bit different, a little more topical of a guest and he's a you know, indie wrestler, all you know, working all over the the great states. Right now I believe he's in Tennessee. I believe he has a show tonight or he had a show the night before. Uh, you know, so definitely on that. But he's got a more personal situation because he's one of the ones that was affected by COVID nineteen. And uh, you know, we're gonna discuss, you know, a little bit about his career and how COVID nineteen had kind of derailed that. And now he's making his return. It's kind of come back in this new normal as we call it. Our guest this week on Memories Then and Now is none other than Mr. Brad Sanders. Brad, welcome to the show. Hi, you guys! Thanks for having me
2: on. I'm really excited about this.
1: We're glad to have you on, man. Like I said, I've talked to you before and all that. And like I said, you've got a more personal situation with uh, COVID nineteen. We're going to touch on that in a little bit, but just you know, just to kind of start off, with, let's kind of you know acquaint our listeners with you and all that. Let's talk a little bit about you know your career and kind of you know how you got started and you know the areas you work and just kind of let's let's get going with that first.
2: I broke in about October 30th, October 31st, I think is when I had my first match about five years ago. I trained down in Odessa, Texas with Old School Wrestling, OSW. It was uh, owned by Fred Urban III, and uh, the trainer at the time was um, Killer Nichols or Kid Nichols. Uh, he he was uh, trained by Nightmare Ken Wayne in the Memphis uh, area, and then he went on to NXT for a couple of years, and he got some training under, you know, trained underneath uh, Bill DeMond and William Regal, and he trained alongside with the, with the likes of The um, Russo and Roman Reigns, and you know that that entire class that came out of NXT. So I spent roughly six months to nine months training. I trained uh, three, four days a week, uh, hours, hours on end, just like everybody else does. Really a, uh, invested. Uh, after all that, they gave me some shots to let me go you know, work locally and do some stuff for the company as well. And it just kind of blossomed from there And in, in those past, uh, it's, you know, coming up on five years, I've I've been really blessed to be able to travel. I've, I think I've done 23 or 24 states. Um, I've had some opportunities as an extra like a lot of us get, you know, get a chance to, and that was real fun. I actually got some TV time. And that was pretty neat. It's just you know, it's been a ride. I've had some opportunities to learn from some really great people in, in the in the uh, world of professional wrestling and make some contacts. And unfortunately, COVID kind of messed up, you know, this the 2020 plans. But you know, we've been able to we're able to bounce back right now, and I'm I'm getting some work and really enjoying it. I'm in um, Tennessee right now, Jackson, Tennessee. I did I did work a show last night in Selmer, Tennessee, which is like 45 minutes away from here. We had a pretty decent turnout for for what it's worth. And then tonight we'll be we'll be doing a show tonight here in Jackson, and uh, it's usually a pretty good pretty good turnout. And uh, I like working for this company because not only do we have these live shows, but uh, about once a month or so we'll do uh, some TV tapings. We'll you know we'll record about five episodes in one day, and um, it's just giving me some opportunity to work on some different stuff and to branch out. And you know I've wrestled in Tennessee a few times, but uh, I've never had consistent work outside of Texas where you know, I'd keep going to the same company over and over and over again. This is the first time I've had a, a consistent place to, to go outside of Texas. And it feels really good. It, it feels great. Great company, great people, um, great locker room, great fans. And, man, I'm just happy to be here. happy to do what I'm doing. That's what I've been up to.
1: Yeah, you, know, you mentioned 24 states. and all that. That's, sadly enough, that's not common for uh, a guy in the independent circuit. A lot of them tend to stay, you know, within their – Certain region, you know, like here, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, people stay in there. 24 different states. uh, You know, that's a pretty good track record. That's a lot of traveling right
2: there. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot of road. I've done a lot of it by myself. I've had instances where I've been able to travel with other people. And and this isn't a knock on anybody at all. But a lot of guys get real comfortable. And I at one time got really comfortable and staying in just one spot in one area. But uh, after a while, I realized like I wasn't satisfied or I plateaued or I felt like I peaked and I wanted to get better and I have to go find the best I can possibly find or go find opportunities and turn them into something. And that's, that's what I've been trying to do. And if it, honestly, if it wasn't for COVID those opportunities would have amounted to something this year, but those things are put off until possibly uh, early next year I just, I got out there and I went after it and I, I, I tell, I tell guys all the time, is like, no matter how many years and whether, you know, four or five, 20 in, you know, make sure you hit the road and go have some fun with it because there's a lot of wrestling out there. There's a lot of different companies, a lot of different fans and a lot of different ways of doing it. And you can really learn a lot and have a lot of fun and experience a lot of cool things if you just get on, get on the road and enjoy it.
1: Now I've seen you know, shows here in the Texas area and all that, and there you know there's been some names that come in. A lot of the guys that you know used to work, you know, the big league, the National League, however you want to call it. You know, once they leave, they'll come down. They do the Indy Circuit. You've been on the cards with a lot of those guys, um, Who are just some of the names that you've had a chance to you know work with over these past five years.
2: I've not really had a lot of opportunities to like work opposite any any names just per se. I've like I've tag teamed with Al Snow for old storyline in Dallas. I tag teamed with uh, Ricky Morton against Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. I've done a lot more learning from some of the names than I have actually worked on. Um, where I you know I've I've did in depth seminars with you know Matt Hardy and guys like that. That's come across and you know did some learning that way. But I really haven't had a chance to do a lot of matches yet. And I think that's because I haven't really made myself a mainstay anywhere per se. Right now, the you know the company I'm I'm working for right now in Tennessee is having me. Um, we're trying to set up a feud with me and somebody from the Gilbert family. That's a pretty that's a pretty fun thing. Try to do something with someone that's like a Tennessee territory top uh, legend. And so I've had some opportunities to do stuff like that. I don't really I don't really get too excited about working names. I like learning from them. I prefer to learn. I mean, l- working a match with them is great; it's phenomenal. But I really prefer sitting down, talking to them face to face, and having conversations and chit-chatting and and stuff like that. So I've shared a lot of locker rooms with those guys, and we've had conversations. But if I've not really worked across from somebody yet. I've always either worked with them or, uh, you know, did, I did when I first started. I did some stuff with uh, Manny Fernandez, and that's that's probably the extent of things right now.
1: Now we've mentioned this uh, a few times, you know, in the intro and you've mentioned a couple of times back in January, February, early, you know, beginning of this year. Unfortunately, the wrestling world and kind of the world in general, the U.S. in general, we kind of got turned upside down with coronavirus and COVID-19. And like I said, you know, you have a personal experience, obviously, with it because you contracted COVID-19, the virus that a lot of people say, you know, is, is fake. It doesn't exist i like to hear kind of, you know, your story. I'm sure our listeners like to kind of hear your story. Your, well, I hate to experience because it's not something anybody wants to experience, but, you know, right. uh, what happened with you and COVID-19? And, you know, for those that might think that maybe, you know, there's some falsehood behind the stories because it's a real virus, folks, and people yeah, don't seem yeah. to want to take it too lightly.
2: First things first, I, w- I want to get across that, you know, I really did get sick from it. Um, I was tested over four times for it, tested positive two times. And those were consecutive back-to-back tests within three weeks of each other. I'm not some government actor. I didn't get a paycheck for for being sick. I didn't get any type of benefits other than uh, a small work from a small check from my employer for two weeks of disability. But I was sick for over a month. Um, I woke up late April, just feeling horrible. Um, I had body aches. It just felt like, uh, I mean, I don't really know how to explain it, and it's, it's very passe. It's very, um, very normal for people to say this, but I mean it. It really feels like I got jumped, and, some, and a group of people had beat me from head to toe, and I was sore the day after. Um, I just hurt. Toenails hurt. Everything hurt, and it was the worst pain I've ever felt. Nothing like pneumonia. Nothing like the flu. It was, it was all that and turned up to a higher volume. Just ridiculous. I, I was exhausted. I, I was like, man, I really can't. I really can't seem to get myself together. I, I felt like I had a fever, but I didn't. I didn't have a fever according to the thermometer. So I went to the ER and they tested me. They did all this blood work. They tested me for multitudes of things, and, and then they they came in and tested me for the COVID. And they did the two hour test, and sure enough, I had it. Uh, at the time, my breathing was was pretty normal. He said, you know, my numbers were a tad low, but it wasn't in a dangerous area where I needed to be hospitalized. That he felt like I could go home and self-isolate. And I was told by the doctor, if for some reason, you know, you, you get to a point where your breathing drops and you're struggling and you think you need to be hospitalized, then call us to have somebody bring you up here and we'll, we'll admit you and we'll take care of you. And so I followed the doctor's orders and I went home and sure enough, a couple of days later, uh, my temperature skyrocketed to over 102. I would just stand in the, the shower with the water, the hot water turned all the way on, no cold water mixed in. And it still felt like it was too cold to be on my body and it would, and the water hurt. But at the same time, I was just trying to find some relief. I didn't know what to do because there was nothing helping me. I was having a hard time sleeping and resting. So I'd take, I'd sleep like in short spurts, very small, like 10, 20 minute, uh, naps all day. And about a couple of days later, from going home from the hospital, my breathing got really, really scary. It got erratic. It got very stressful, like it was very hard to breathe. Um, I would spend majority of my day just sitting there thinking about, okay, lungs, you breathe in, you breathe out, and really focusing on controlling my breathing. And it got to a point where I'd, I controlled my breathing and had to that my ribs started hurting. My, my chest hurt from having to breathe. And forcing myself to rise and fall with my breath, and that lasted uh, a couple weeks, and then about three more weeks. When I started to slowly get better, I, that's when I got the COVID cough. Uh, fever had went away. Body aches were still there. I was ex- I I was extremely malnutrition uh, because I wasn't I couldn't eat. You can't taste anything, so I wasn't eating. And then I would try to eat stuff. I would like to say, you know, hey, get me Steak Express. I want to try to eat this. I need to taste something. And I just, I would eat a couple bites and put it down. It's like, I can't taste it. I don't want it. And so I ended up losing like 15, 20 pounds. And it was just a, it was a scary experience because I didn't know how long it was going to take me to get better. I couldn't see my kids. I couldn't leave my room. I couldn't do anything. I had an order from the health department saying if I left my house, I got somebody else sick, yada, yada, yada. I would I would get a $1,000 fine, and, and the city of Amarillo, Texas, would prosecute me as a criminal and all this crazy stuff. And that was actually hand-delivered by, by the fire marshal in full PPE. And uh, I struggled. And I struggled uh, a couple more weeks after that I felt like I was cleared, and I really focused on, I took my time to really focus on my cardio conditioning, get my lungs back up to, to, to where they needed to be strong. I started lifting weights again. I started eating ridiculously. I was able to put my weight back on. Even now, I, I can still tell I'm a little out of shape when it comes to my cardio because I'm, I'm still trying to heal that up. But overall, I feel a, a million times better than before. And it's definitely something I don't wish on anybody. It's, it hurts and it's, it's the worst experience. I've had pneumonia many times in my life. I've had the flu many times in my life. And this does not compare. I would gladly contract pneumonia or the flu any day of the week all month long than ever have to deal with COVID again. And it was absolutely miserable. That was my experience.
1: Now, you know, you talked about, you know, your, your labored breathing and you were having to concentrate. We, we talked on, a, on another show. You we were on Offshoots TV with uh, myself and we were talking about it. You actually had gotten to the point where you were having your roommate check on you
2: yes. to make sure that you were yes. still
1: breathing. Yeah. So he would get
2: off work around midnight. Yeah, he'd get off work around midnight. And that's when I used, when they gave me, the hospital gave me anxiety medicine to help me calm down, to help me relax, to help me kind of like, I guess, focus. Because uh, he was like, this is going to help you, you know, um, with your breathing. I didn't really understand at the time. I was like, what? What is he talking about? But it did because, you know, you kind of freak out when you can't breathe. And it would relax me enough to kind of help me sleep at night for a couple hours. And I would have my, my roommate like, hey, man, look, I know you're not supposed to come in my room, but just open my door, turn the light on, see if my chest is rising and falling. If it is great, if it looks like I'm struggling or I'm not, call 911. Because I, there was there was a few nights where I really felt like this is it. I like I really felt like I wasn't going to make it because I was scared to fall asleep because I was like, what happens if I fall asleep and my body forgets to breathe or gets too tired to breathe? Because I was so I was so labored and t- so exhausted from forcing myself to breathe, and that's about that's probably when I should have went to the hospital. But, you know, I'm a hard-headed guy, and I was like, the doctor sent me home, so I guess I'm not that bad. I'm just, I'm blessed that I I made it out without having to go a a step further or or dying or anything, so.
1: That's something our listeners uh, need to kind of, you know, take a look at, comprehend it. You know, you're a professional wrestler. You're you're in the ring. You are in a very physical uh, environment, you know, and you're getting banged around a lot, a lot of bumps and bruises, a lot of body aches from the matches and all that. And you describe this as the worst physical pain you've ever felt. That's something our yep. listeners need to understand.
2: I have, I have done 30-minute, 45-minute matches. I've done street fights. I've been through tables, ladders, chairs, whiskey in my eyes. I've made out with grandmothers. And this is the absolute worst experience of my life. I would, I would do all that over again than to, ever, than to ever have to go through this again, period.
1: Now, just along with the physical aspect and the sickness and the pain and, you know, the breathing, it's not, this has also got to affect you, you know, mentally because, you know, you can't work, you're quarantined, you can't see, you have children, you can't see your children. I have three kids. My main concern is not me getting it, it's not it's them getting it and me not being able to be around them. So, you know, what, what's the mental aspect of all that? What are you just kind of going through, like, in your head, just by yourself, you can't see your family? You know, what, what was the mental uh
2: one is i was lonely don't get me wrong i was extremely lonely but and then the fear of like what if i don't make it out of this kind of thing but um i take a lot of pride in being a father i didn't see my kids for a little over a month and that's what really upsets me is when people say oh you faked this it's not really happening to you you faked this because you didn't have tubes down your throat yada 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 When it ticks me off, it's like, obviously, now you're calling me a piece of crap dad because I've knowingly and willingly removed myself from my kid's life for over a month so I could get some sympathy. Like, come on. Like, it was was a very hard deal because then I was going through that as well. I had people inbox me, calling me a liar, calling me a fake. So I was lonely. I was depressed. I was scared. And then I was mad. Like, it was a bunch of stuff going on. But you also don't – I also didn't have the energy to really dwell on anything other than, you know, the loneliness and the fear. And now, you know, also being frustrated, I'm a man. I'm active. I I want to get up and take care of myself, and I couldn't. You know, and it was just, it was just a tough, tough or a tough ordeal all the way around. Very tough. And I, I know people's got it worse than me, and I, my heart goes out to them. But I don't want to ever do that again. Period.
1: Now, you know, I'm sure some of our listeners are on the bandwagon of oh, it's not real. Oh, it's going to go away when the election comes around. That's my favorite. As soon as we elect the new president or re-elect our president, it's gonna magically disappear. That's just what's gonna happen. It's just gonna magically disappear. Right. How does that bot what what does that do to you? Because I mean you're recovered now, but these people are still saying it's fake. You know, oh you get to eat chicken soup and lay in bed for two weeks. That's not the situation. I was a little kind of eh about it when you know it first started, but as it's rolled on now, you know, I wear my mask when I go out, you know, I work at a grocery store, I gotta wear a mask there. You know, I was a little hesitant, but then I got to see and hear the stories and I heard your story and but how does that feel to these people and and why? Why do you think they're like, Oh, it's fake, it's just it's just a thing. Oh, chicken well, soup it's, for two.
2: Yeah, the reason why people say that is because it hasn't affected them.
1: They they've not
2: either they don't have anybody near them that's that's had that's had it or they've not had it. You know, so it's not affected them. So it's easy for them to be oh you know, this passive aggressive and say what they want to say and be ugly about it. And pretty much call people like me liars and everybody else liars. And it's, it's easy for them because it's just easier to deny than they are, than it is to accept uh, any type of reality. And I think that's just, I think it's just the ugly, selfish, the ugly, selfish side of our human nature that comes out always not affecting me. So it's gotta be this, or, oh, you know, this is all fake. So it's going to end with the election. It's like, you know, I wish, I wish that was true. But it's it's not going to go away with with some elections. You know, voting is not going to make a viral disease that's that's killing people go away. It's time and medicine and you know being smart about it. But that's just ignorance. You know, like a lot of things that's going on in the world right now is a lot of selfish, a lot of selfishness and ignorance. Uh, I think it too. You know, I was talking to somebody else just the other day. but I think it's also people don't want to accept responsibility. They don't want to. They don't want to be responsible of somebody else's life. So they don't want to wear a mask because, you know, it's not really about the rights. It's about responsibility. I, I, you know, I don't want to wear a mask because I don't want to be responsible of helping someone else or saving someone else because it's inconvenient to me. And I just think that's where we've lost our way as humans. Like, what happened to valuing people's lives? What happened to caring about if our neighbor lives or dies, you know, or our mother or our daughter or our dad or whoever, and you know, it's just a lot. I think people need to look at themselves in the mirror and really check their their morals and their values and sometimes say, you know what, I don't know enough about this situation to really have an opinion. I'm going to trust uh, the people that have PhDs and masters and they've studied this stuff for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, I'm, I'm going to listen to them instead of watching a YouTube video and I'm just going to do what's asked of me so that I can make the world a better place. I just wish people would do that. I wish they would just check themselves for a moment and really ask themselves, is your opinion really valuable on this? Is the way you're looking at this thing uh, correct? Because I'm I'm pretty sure if people would take the time to check themselves, they would see where they're where they've allowed some of their yeah, vo- their, 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 their values and their morals kind of slip, especially these days.
1: Now, one of the new one of the terms that people uh, use is the new normal. Uh, I'm of the opinion that I think the masks and the social distancing in some way, shape or form, it's probably going to be around for quite a long time from personal experience. Now, you know, you've gotten through the virus. Obviously you do not want to get it again. You don't wish it on anybody. Do you see like the masks and social distancing and some of the things we're doing now, do you see these kind of being like a normal routine for people? Do you see this changing?
2: I have my opinions on things, but I can tell you what I'm seeing. You know, as I'm traveling through different states and whatnot, I don't know for sure this will be a long lasting normal. I think it's a very temporary normal. I think it's what we must do for right now. And it eventually will get back to, we'll get back to how, you know, how we live our lives before, but maybe with some different regulations on how we deal with trying to control a disease or a sickness like this. Maybe, maybe they will, the government, cause they did drop the ball on this on, on like controlling it or helping us in the beginning. So maybe we'll we'll see some administrative changes on how they deal with stuff. You know, the only way this is ever going, going to go away is if we got to temporarily set a new normal, and let's get past that. Let's get it gone, and then let's get back to living life the way the way we were doing before the virus. And the only way it can, only way the mask and all that stuff can become normalized and become a real a true new normal is you're going to have to have the actual U.S. government mandate the states, force all 50 states to follow the exact same rules in a very similar martial law type uh, action, executive order, or however you want to put it. That's the only way they're going to make that happen. So if, if, it's, if it's left up to the states and the governors, cities to cities, counties to counties to mandate things, then you're not going to see a consistent new normal. You're just going to, you'll, you'll see a normal here and there, or you'll, you'll just see just different. It's not going to be normal. It's going to be very inconsistent state to state, city to city, county to county. Um, which is what it is right now. So the new normal right now is very inconsistent. So it's just a temporary thing, uh, in my opinion. And I think we'll get past that. And I think things will get better if we can just try to work together for a little bit. All
1: right, I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn now for the next round of questions. I'm sure he's got a couple things he'd like to ask.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just Uh uh, been enjoying sitting back and listening to uh, your account of of, of you dealing with, with the coronavirus. And it's been very fascinating. And one of the things that I've noticed too, and, you know, just since this whole thing really, really started to take shape here at the early part of this year was, you know, you mentioned it uh, about how people are so quick to just deny it and pass it off as something that's, you know, a part of some bigger, wider agenda for for, for political reasons or whatnot. And I think one of the things that it, it, it's almost become a disease in and of itself in, is, is social media. I mean, it's just the reaction since I can go onto my Facebook page and I, I've been reading so much stuff, this the, this division that's already been there for other issues has really, really caught fire during this COVID era. And it's just, you know, reading stuff from people I've known all my life and, I, and the, I'm and i listening and I'm just seeing how deep, off the deep end some of these people are going to the lengths of which they're going. And it, it makes me wonder, you know, where are they coming from with this? But you really hit the nail on the head about how, you know, if you haven't really dealt with it firsthand that you really don't really have a proper grasp on it and I think this is uh, by you know, sharing your story is really going to uh, and I hope our listeners are, you know wherever you're listening to it really really take the, your, whatever you're saying to heart because this is something you you have had to endure and get through but it's just social media for all the good things that social media can do as far as you know you, you as a wrestler getting your name out there and watching things that are cool or getting stuff that people share it's just sometimes it becomes a disease in and of itself, just how, how people can react and just drop comments and have their platforms and their soapboxes and how they say stuff and without any real fear of repercussion. I mean, that's just one of the things that almost scares me because of the messaging and how people can just take one falsehood and spread that out and get people to believe that that in and of itself is a spreading. Uh, we almost have a new normal there with social media.
2: I think that's the thing about it, too, and a lot of people will agree with this, is social media has made a lot of people brave, you know, bump off at the gums and say things that they would never say in person or they would never say publicly on a public format to where you can address them face-to-face. It's easy to hide behind a screen and chit-chat and and say some things and share your opinions on things um, and feel important because, you know, that power has been given to us through the Internet Um, But again, like I said, I think people should really check their morals, look themselves in the mirror and be like, wow, am I being a good human? Am I being fair to someone else? If the answer is no, then they need to figure out what they need to do to, to fix that.
0: Yeah, I just wish that people would would take your advice because it's just it seems like it, it just gets worse and worse. It's like almost to the point where you know I, I follow only a few people these days because it's just I'm I'm so tired of 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 hearing people you know and then shooting down other people who have compassion for others who are seeing it who have already taken a step back and looked at this and, and see it as the threat it is. I mean this 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 COVID nineteen and I've taken the precautions. Well, you got other people that it's it's gone down to childlike uh, behavior. Like, you know, I've seen posts, you know, this week uh, with Walmart and Target and other places now requiring you to wear a mask. How one day when Walmart announced that you had a bunch of posts saying, well, I'm never going to go there again. I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm going to Target. I'm going somewhere. I'm voting online. You know, at the same time, and and then the next day they see that Target's doing it. Well, well, I'm just going to, where are you going to go? I mean, you're just going to be just shopping online. You're going to be just, you know, after this uh, New normal lifts. Are you just going to sit and be a hermit because of spite? These people are, are actually looking out for the greater good. It just that just disgusts me.
2: Yeah, it, and it's sad because here's here's the thing. If when this first spiked at the very beginning of, of the COVID spread, if Walmart and Target would have said, you know, these places where, this and honestly, it's not the bars, it's not the restaurants, the, and the gyms that this place is being spread. It's the WalMarts and the Targets and the grocery stores where people are. Consistently, in every day, hundreds of thousands of people are in and out of these businesses, in and in and out every day. If they would have said, "We need to, to keep you safe, to keep this from spreading," at the height of everything that was going on during the first initial lockdown, then I don't think people would have argued. I think people people, people would have been like, "Oh yeah, I can understand why." But now I think because people are, are so mad that, well, shutting the bars down and shutting the restaurants down and shutting down the gyms that didn't help us. Screw it, this is all die anyways. I think this made people be more selfish and they're just ready for life to go back to normal as possible, that they're not willing to accept having to make a small sacrifice to go pick up groceries for five, ten minutes. I mean, I've wore a mask for the past couple of weeks and even on the road, like I keep a I keep a mask with me when I go in to gas stations, Walmarts, even here at the mechanic that I gotta pick up my car here in a few minutes. I'm wearing a mask because it's as asked of me, why? I'm not not an idiot. I'm not a buffoon. I'm I'm trying to do my part. If people would just uh, chill out, think think, you know, like a human, show some morals, value human life. I think we can get through this.
0: Yes. Get back to what people used to refer to as having uh, that that the good old common sense, you know that stuff. You know it doesn't seem all that common these days. What what is your reaction, Ben, when you see stuff on the news about how states have kind of opened up uh, quicker than they should have, and you know you got these issues now in, in in Florida and Texas and Georgia and California, and you're seeing stuff you know where people are at these beaches, and you know they're getting, I mean they're just throwing caution to the wind. What does that mean to you when you see that? Because you. You went through this. You've suffered through the symptoms. You've gotten yourself back to where you want to be, or you're working on getting yourself back to where you want to be. Oh, that just... What do you think about uh, just people? You know, and now states have had to start to tighten the reins again. Uh, what are your thoughts? I uh, mean, you watching this stuff and you're like, God damn! Could you just follow some rules for a change?
2: Right. Well, this is where, like I said before, for this, I, if and I'm not, I'm not for this because I understand it would be a huge. A huge uh, foot on our throat as as citizens, and it would have it would give the government full control. so I'm not for it, but again, uh, the only way for this to be equal to state by state is the government would have to have this mandate where Florida has to follow the exact same rules that Texas has to follow, and and it just keeps going down the line. Everybody follows the exact same rules. when you've got, States who like Florida who really rely on um, that vacation money, on that tourist money, they're going to shut down temporarily. But with Florida being hit by the hurricanes the past couple years, Panama City being almost absolutely destroyed, and then uh, the, and then the rest of the Gulf Coast almost destroyed through the hurricanes the past couple years, and you know the South Florida is always constantly hit, so they need that revenue for their economy to survive. Because be careful what I say here, the government can only help financially so much before, you know, before bills start racking up and then that's when taxes will rise and that's when people, the the citizens will start paying for it in another way. So I don't, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but I can see where they're trying to reestablish an economic state that's comfortable and keep the businesses and the companies from from, from crashing. So each that's, that's 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 just been an inconsistency on the state's parts where you got some states following the federal rules versus another state that's not following the federal rules. And I'm not mad at any of them for doing. It. I don't want anybody to get sick, but I do understand why like places like Florida is like look we got to open back up.
0: Oh, yeah, you're we're, definitely we're
2: struggling. You're, you know, de- you're we, definitely we, gotta we look- don't work. <laughs> right and I understand where like Texas tried to open back up but they shut back down again, and I, I, I have my disagreements with how they're doing that. You know, why is why are you punishing these companies, but not the companies that that you can actually prove this stuff is being spread? Like there's no there's been no studies showing that bars, restaurants, and gyms uh, are the cause of the spikes. You're just going by spike numbers during when you closed versus when you opened up. But we also don't we also don't know well. Is is more people going to the grocery store, is more people going to church, or is, I mean where's the where is this being contracted? So for us to really get a grasp on how to do this, there needs to be some actual data done, some actual studies, figure out where are these where are these places spiking and then maybe across the country as I say so like these places you can't go to for a while. We need to control this to help control the spread, to dumb down the numbers, you know but yeah, unless we unless we have a consistent mandate you're going to see states be inconsistent with who's doing what, and you're going to see the numbers continue to fluctuate, rise and fall, rise and fall, open and close, open and close, because everybody wants to do something different. Everybody's going to open up too soon or open up too late because everybody has an opinion and their opinion's right no matter what.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just a rock and a hard place situation. Uh, you know, it's uh, just such a, again, it's just something we, we really haven't dealt with in, 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 this, in, this, in this, at this time. I mean, this is just a, a unique, new normal sort of thing. I'm going to bring back, uh, Mike McCurdy in uh, for the last leg of the show. Uh, Mike, I know you've got a few more questions and thank you for letting me uh, ask a few of those questions too, but Mike, I'm going to bring it back in for you.
1: Obviously, you know, the theme of this show, you know, we're wrestling members. All we like to talk about wrestling. Um, and obviously, you know, professional wrestling was one of the things that kind of got, you know, turned upside down during all this. Uh, WWE and AEW doing, uh, at first, doing no audience shows. Now they've brought, you know, other talent to be, you know, fans in the crowd, plexiglass. Uh, the indie groups are coming back. Uh, some few shows have run here in Texas, you know. Uh, Brad, you know, you're, you're working in Tennessee. I'm not sure what Tennessee's uh, situation is there, but I know here you can only wrestle in front of like I think it's 50 percent capacity. So you're yeah, wrestling I think for maybe 50 I'm
2: not yeah, 100. I'm not 100 sure. I'll have to check, but I think it's county to county here in Tennessee where different counties are mandating different rules for again that, that that inconsistency where you know you can only do so much, you know. But we've we've been doing pretty good numbers and i'm just really smart about what i do i don't interact with the fans um we don't we don't do all that stuff so it's just different like and in texas that's that's one reason why i'm really not working in texas right now is because you know it's uh it's a struggle for a promoter to put on a show and it's kind of selfish for me to try to work for a rate that
1: puts them in a hole so so i understand now that's something you know to talk about right there you know I've kind of thought this. you got groups that are coming back now, because they can. We're allowed to open back up, and people jump right back into it. Boom, we got to show this day we can have, you know, 50% capacity. got to wear masks. But if you're a group that, say, regularly attracts, say, 150 people, 150, 200, and you're under a regulation where you can only have, like, 75 people in the crowd, you know, right. money-wise, is it worth it? Is it worth it to run right now when you can only run for, like, 50, 60 people? You've got to have masks. They do hand sanitizer. Some places do temperature checks. Yeah. Is it worth it to run at this point in time?
2: Hypothetically, if I was a promoter and I'm looking at it where I have to rent a building and I have to pay the talent, that rental can be anywhere from a couple hundred dollars up to a thousand bucks. So let's just go just go to the in between. Let's just say it's five hundred dollars to rent that building. I let's say I have twelve people on the twelve people on the card, which is about a standard. If you got a tag team and you do like five matches, so you're not two people, two people a match versus ten to twelve people. Let's just say I pay everybody a flat rate of twenty five dollars. Okay, so five hundred. I'm already looking at what a little over three hundred dollars and pay so that's our you know eight hundred and some change. Uh, Let's say I throw 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 the main event uh, some extra bones. Let's just go ahead and make it. We're looking at about a a thousand bucks to run a show, and that's a cheap show, a very 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 cheap show, Uh, which is just we know nobody spends about a thousand dollars on a show. It's a whole lot more than that, but we're going to say let's say I spend a thousand dollars on a show. Let's say I have that money I and mean, I run monthly and I want to run for the next four months, five months, $5,000 and I can, but I can only have 50 people in the crowd and they have to sit six feet apart. They have to wear a mask. It us just say each, each fan pays a flat rate of 10 bucks. No matter the seat, that's all, I'm only making $500 off that. So I'm losing $500 for five months. That is 20, that is, is $2,500 I'm losing. But yeah, I'm losing a lot of money. Not $2,500. I'm, I'm losing a lot of money, regardless. I'm t- I'm sorry, I'm tired. I've got to pick up my car from the mechanic. But I'm losing a lot of money. If I'm losing $500 a show, I'm not running. Period. I just, I just think, you know, if you can't run where you can make money, if you can't run where you can pay the guys more than 20 bucks, if you're, if you're running where you can't give the fans the full-blown product without all these restrictions, just wait. Do Do giveaways. Uh, you know, buy promoter go and buy some of the some of your most popular talents merchandise, and then do giveaways for your fans to keep them enthralled. Do these digital things. Do a bunch of interviews. Do a bunch of promos. Take time to write your stories out. Take time to find you four talents to really push and push them to the moon and get stuff you know get stuff flowing. Maybe take that money you would be spending on a show and put it back and save it to maybe upgrade your ring or your lights or your music or to bring in a talent or something, don't go in the hole just because so, you want to run. Don't go in the hole because Joe Schmo down the street's running. Just, that's just me. That's my opinion. And uh, as a talent, you know, I'm going to throw this piece of advice out there. During these times, I, don't, I, I really tell people, like, I know you think you know, you're worth a certain amount, and that's great. I think I'm worth a certain amount. But don't hurt a promoter that's trying to run. Don't hurt a promoter somewhere else that's, that's trying to give a product. If you're going to work for somebody that is trying to, you know, for a fact, is going in a hole to bring you in, don't take advantage of them. Try to work with them because right now we do need to work together because that promotion may not be around after all this is over because they're they, they're in the hole so deep, you know. So it's just one of those things where I would wait. If I had all those restrictions on me, I, I would just wait. As I would. It's just it's not It's not even... And I'm not even including you getting people sick or risking them or whatever. I just, I would just wait if I, if I had all those restrictions and I was going to lose that much money every show,
1: I would wait. Right. I'm, I I agree with you. I think a lot of the groups around here and just kind of in general, they jump back on because they want to run, you know, like you said, that's where they're making their money. Some people have, you know, Building rentals where they have they actually have their own building they got to pay like a monthly rent on it and I can understand yeah, that understand you know, you're paying that. monthly rent a building you don't want to lose that building but it's just it's just not safe because another aspect that pops in and I'm going to bring in uh you know the two the two major groups we're going to talk WWE and AEW um, obviously wrestling is you know it's a contact sport you're not six feet apart um, and WWE had this problem they did their COVID testing and all that lo and behold guess what a lot of their talent. Tested positive yeah. for COVID 19. Same with AEW. Yeah. And a problem with AEW is um, obviously one of the main ones is Renee Young. She contracted, she got COVID 19. She tested positive for it. Her husband, John Moxley, works for AEW. He was exposed to it. That took him out. He didn't have it, but he was still exposed to it. So he had the two week quarantine and to stay out. Now, these guys have contracts. They're still getting paid and all that, but they're getting sick. And then when you have, you know, developmental talent in the crowd, even if they're behind plexiglass, I love the plexiglass, or you know, you're at Daly's field and you're in this huge football field like stadium and you're spread apart, you're still exposed talent's still being exposed to it. And right. that's becoming an issue. You know, kind of you know, should maybe they have stopped? <laughs> Like, not run for all Because WWE could have run off their catalog. They could have done, like, best of. They could have done this AEW, maybe not so much. But is there another alternative besides what they did, which was at first empty arena shows, which, honestly, I don't horrible, yeah. up to where we're at now? Was there, was there an alternative to this? What would you have done? Or kind of what's your opinion on the, the, that stake? We, now we're seeing everybody's getting sick.
2: Well, I look at, I look at uh, what's on TV very differently from what we do in the Indies. It's, it's a total different animal they're a tv show that's about wrestling that's that's what they are they are a tv show that that is about wrestling they use wrestling as a medium to produce a product and that's what that has become and that's just a a brutal honest truth that's how it should be looked at if you and they have con they have a contract to give us a a tv production uh through whatever network they're with if they do not deliver on that product And there's not a clause in that contract saying you can get out of this six months of TV, giving a TV product because of a sickness. Well, you're going to have to own up and give them a product. So it's one of those things where they're, they're stuck at giving us a product, whether we agree with it or disagree with it. Um, they, they had to deliver because they have contract, they have money they got to make and they're a TV, they're a TV production. They're they're making movies. As Vince McMahon once said, that's just that's the nature of those beasts. So I'm not going to say they're right or wrong. Again, you know, when it comes to the moral side, could they have done maybe a better job at the beginning testing and protecting talent? Yeah, I'm sure they could have. But they also have a contractual agreement with their network and they have to put out a product because they are a TV show. Because, I mean, if they cancel, then you've got all these other TV shows are going to have to cancel. And then that becomes a huge network problem. And then, you know, that's a whole whole other issue that we can get into. But I I can't say they're right or wrong with it. Maybe they could have done better. That's all I can say.
1: You know, you brought up the contract thing. Yes, there are television contracts, and you said a clause. This is such a, you know, unique situation. You know, you're not going to have a clause like that that says, oh, in the case of a, you know, worldwide pandemic, you know, you're allowed – this was something that kind of came up that – Nobody expected, and I understand, you know, they did what they could to make it work, but, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, uh, TV shows like Survivor, uh, Big Brother, some other reality shows, you know, competitions, uh, Major League Sports, you know, baseball starting back next week, but I believe they're going to play with, like, no fans. Um, You know, there were changes you had to make just based on the situation. I would think that maybe, you know, the TV networks, you know, they don't have the contract, but maybe there could have been something that could have been worked out where – you know, to protect the guys. Cause like I said, now we're seeing uh, the viruses come up, but you mentioned that Vince and, and making movies. I'm sure, you know, like all of us, you're a fan. One thing we've seen now with this situation is a dramatic match where it's a recorded match and edited under a controlled situation. Um, we're going to, we're going to see one of those tomorrow. I hope with uh, the eye for an eye and the swamp match and whatever else Vince has going on, but you know, What's your opinion on that, the cinematic matches? I mean, the Boneyard from WrestleMania I thought was great. The Firefly Funhouse, not so much. Do you see that kind of, like, maybe hurting the business a little bit because this virus no. and this situation created the cinematic match?
2: No. No, it's, it's not going to because it's, I think people understand that, like, this is what they're having to do to give us that special crazy moment feel. Uh, I think what uh, fans, what's great about having a live audience for a big match is that match could be a very basic match with very basic wrestling and very basic storytelling. But if you get the fans involved, the fans make those moments bigger. And ha- doing that in front of a WrestleMania uh, crowd or a SummerSlam crowd or uh, whatever the crowd makes those moments awesome. But when you don't have them, you've got to find a way to draw people in. How do you get their attention? Well it's really hard to do that when the first twelve matches of a of a super show uh, of sorts is in front of nobody it's you know it's it it's two people grunting and hitting and slamming and you know as a fan as much as you love it, you can only take so much of it and then you get that special that special match you were looking forward to and then boom it's very different it's very off the wall it's very creative and i just I think that's good I think it's gonna be a temporary thing if it sticks around you're gonna see it maybe once or twice a year for something, something silly and fun. Honestly, I felt like this was something they should have done a long time ago, maybe back in the attitude era when the undertaker was doing more of a supernatural version, uh, or a more, uh, I'm gonna call it a Satanist version. It's not really a Satanist version. I can't think of the word I want to use, but more of a, you know, more of that gimmick. I think they could have got away with it back then with him doing stuff like that, some Hollywood effects when he was crucifying people and whatnot. So, I think it I think it works for what it is. And I think it's gonna like I said, maybe a couple times a year after he gets back to the live crowds. But other than that, I think it's gonna I think it's just what they're having to do right now. It's just a
1: necessity. Well let's just stay away from the eye for an eye thing. I i don't, I, sure I, I honestly don't know. Go. I haven't
2: I'm not caught up on that match. Uh with getting back to Tennessee <laughs> and in my car doing what it's doing. Like I haven't looked into uh I don't follow a lot of what's going on T V as in story story uh lines to go. I've I just I focus and study what they're doing in production, and what they're doing in their in their in ring storytelling or character development. Like I, I watch those kind of things, and I pay attention as an artist in a different way. I don't really get bought into the storylines as much. But if they do a CGI, which I've heard, uh, I will be actually a little bit a little bit disappointed. I think a more uh, Hollywood makeup effect would be a whole lot better. And then you have this. Then you have Ray Mysterio run around for it with a patch for the rest of his life, because we know it's not going to be Randy Orton, So, <laughs> Seth Rollins. so it'd be, oh Seth Rollins, sorry yeah, it'd be, Well, if it's Seth Rollins, that'd be a great story, uh you know, because he's doing like this savior gimmick and he can he can see has sacrifice his eye for the sake of wrestling that actually add to the flavor. I don't know. This <laughs> was uh, so the sacrifice he made to
1: make wrestling great again. I don't know, we'll see. All right, Brad. Well, you know, it's been great talking with you. uh, Like I said, you have a show tonight. For our listeners who might be more interested in uh, kind of following you around, you know, what do you got coming up, uh, you know, wrestling-wise and kind of just location-wise? And where can people find you on social media if they want to, you know, follow more about you?
2: All right. Well, uh, tonight I'll be here in Jackson, Tennessee, working for USA Championship Wrestling. Not really sure who I'll be facing off uh, against. But uh, I feel sorry for the the poor guy that will be stepping in the ring. You'll see me up here pretty regularly for the next couple months. Um, about every other weekend, if not uh, three weekends out of the month, I'll be up here working for USA Championship Wrestling. They run three different locations. Um, they do a Friday, a Saturday show. They also do a Thursday night show, but that's in Jackson as well. But Friday nights are usually uh, Selmore or Gladeville or Dixon. Uh, and I'll, I, will, I bounce in between those two. And then Saturdays is always here in Jackson. For USA championship wrestling. So if you're in the Tennessee area, you feel like making the short drive to come see me, you more than happy to visit and chit chat with people after the show. Uh, if you want to follow me, and that's really the only thing I got going on right now that I can speak of. I got some stuff um, in my inbox that I really need to address and talk to some promoters and some bookers across the country about um, and get those things set up. And when those happen, those will be announced as they come. Um, but if you want to follow me on social media, I'm really hammering home the Twitter and Instagram because the Facebook, I'm trying to kind of clean up and, uh, reorganize some things because of all the madness that's happening. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at that Sanders guy, And on and then on uh, Instagram, it's TheBradSanders. Uh, I'd be more than happy to accept anybody to come along and uh, any fans. Uh, I usually reply if it's a pretty decent question or a respectful uh, conversation. I usually interact with fans pretty regularly. So I'd be more than happy to uh, accept anybody in and chit-chat and maybe
1: bump into them down the road. All right, Glenn. I'm going to pass the mic over to you because I'm sure it's about time to uh, you know wrap up this edition of Wrestling Memories. Yes,
0: it is, and uh, what a great rendition of Wrestling Memories uh, then and now it was for Brad Sanders, the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy. I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Wrestling Memories then <laughs> and now on Pioneer 90.1. Thanks a lot, guys.